Welcome to Faith Bridge Sermons Podcast. This sermon features founding pastor Ken Werline and was recorded on Sunday, June 6th. Thanks for tuning in. And if you live close by, we'd love to meet you in person next Sunday at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. And if you can't make it in person, join us online at faithbridge.org live. Here's Pastor Ken. There we go. All right. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, everybody. So glad that you're here. So I want to um, tell you about a friend of mine. I'll call him Nick. Nick is... Uh, well, he's a young man, and he's trying to get a go on life. And and uh, I tell you, he's got the mo- the foulest mouth I, I think I ever heard. He can he uses more profanity and drops f bombs. So just like it, it's impressive. And and you know I can't count them all in in thirty minutes. You know that we'll talk. And he loves to hang out with his friends on the weekend and and do you know have get high on marijuana and and there's women and yeah it's just all sorts of stuff it's 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 you know it's always educational and and he knows exactly what i do and uh so we talk about god sometimes and and uh he likes to tell me all the reasons that he doesn't doesn't believe. He said, no, I'm not ever going to be a believer. I said, never? Not, not even just like maybe? No, I'm never going to be a believer. Really? Okay. Well, I'm sorry. But anyhow, I still am. And he says, as a matter of fact, you probably can, you should have me come over and preach to your people. I'm like, now that would be really interesting. I said, but you can't do that unless you have a relationship with Jesus. Do you have a relationship with Jesus yet? No, I'm not going to have that. I've told you I'm not going to have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to come and I'm going to preach why you shouldn't have a relationship. I said, but how can you preach why you shouldn't have a relationship with Jesus if you never had a relationship with Jesus to know? That'd be like me trying to tell people why you shouldn't enjoy Bananas Foster who never had it before. Right? If I never had it, how could I preach that sermon? You got to taste and see that the Fosters is good. And, and you realize, hey, there's something here. You, you got to try it. But you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so you don't really know. But I'm still praying for you. Because I know that he loves you. And I know that he would love to be in a relationship with you. Now, some might say, well, why do you hang out with him? I said, I'd say probably two reasons. One, because he's a good kid. Deep down in there, I love him. I'm aware he doesn't have a dad like my boys have, and he could have used one. And so... I just have a place in my heart for him, and I want good for him, better than what he has, because I know there would be so much good and so much better if he could come to know the Lord. Second reason is because Jesus tells me to, tells you to as well. I think the challenge for many of us who follow Christ is that we tend to pull back from people like my friend Nick. And yet that's not at all what Jesus said we're supposed to do. Um, We act sort of like the religious folks of Jesus' days. You know, the Pharisees, they were asking, 
Why are you hanging out with these people, these sinners? Why do you hang out with them? And he would say things like, well, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick, right? I've come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. And he'd say in another place, for the son of man, that's him. I came to seek and save the lost. That's why I hang out with them. Because that's the mission. That's why I came into this world to seek and save the lost. To bring lost people into a relationship with me that could transform the trajectory of their lives. And then, of course, he gave us that commission. All of us. He says, now I want you to do the very same thing. The Great Commission. Let me read it to you from Gene Peterson's message, just so we hear it through a little bit of a different tone. God authorized and commanded me, Jesus says, to commission you. Go out, train everybody that you meet, far and near, in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you, and I'll be with you. As you do this day after day, right up to the end of the age. But, you know, I'm troubled. I'm troubled by how many, I think, American Christians have taken this commission, this mandate that he, he gave to us. To I think they've taken it to mean something different than what he meant. I know a lot of Christians who, I think they've taken it to mean in their own mind I'm supposed to take the already converted people, the people who've stepped across the line of faith. I'm supposed to take them, and I'm supposed to get them into a little huddle, and I'm supposed to disciple them and bring them along and teach them, here's how you walk as a follower of Jesus Christ. And then when I finish discipling them, I'll pass them off to this next person, and this next person will take them for a year, and, and they'll disciple them. And then when they finish, they'll, they'll take them and pass them to the next people, and, and they'll keep getting discipled. But, you know, I was thinking about it. That would be sort of like if you took a load of laundry, and you wash it, and you dry it, and then you just took it out, and you put it right back in the washer. And you washed it again, and you dried it again. You took it out, and you put it right back in the washer. The problem is there's a world full of dirty clothes piling up. And I'm trying to figure out where the Christians who are going to go out and get the dirty clothes. That's what Jesus said we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go out and be fishers of men and women, he said. We're supposed to befriend the sinner. And tell them about what a relationship with our Savior could mean for them. And so I wonder, how are you doing at that? Again, I see so many Christians, and I love them. And they tell me, oh, I'm really growing in my discipleship. Really? Yep. This semester, I'm in two Bible studies. Two Bible studies, yeah. One of them I've been in about 15 years, and, but I'm starting a new one as well. I'm like, okay, but how many like, lost people have you brought in lately? People who need Jesus. People who don't know the Lord. People who don't have what you have. You brought any of them in the last week or month or year? No. 
last five years? Now, last 10 years? 20 years? The rest of the, I mean, your whole life? Have you ever led anybody? Have you ever brought anybody to Jesus? N.T. Niles, the great old preacher, said, it's only, it only makes sense that when you get good news, you want to share it with other people. N.T. Niles said it, it would be sort of like one beggar who finds the source of food. What's that beggar going to do? He's going to run back and find all the other beggars and say, hey, you got to come here. You got to see what I've discovered because it's more and it's better than you've had. You've got to come to the source. That's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. But again, I'm concerned at how many Christians are deluding themselves and saying, well, I'm really a strong Christian because I only huddle with believers and I just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And yeah, but the, the most spiritually mature person in the history of the world, Jesus said, that's, that's not just it. I want you to learn and grow, yes. But I came to seek and save the lost and now I'm commissioning you. I want you to go out. <laughs> I want you to bring them so that they might know me as well. Seek and save the lost. So let's pretend that the spiritual journey is a, sort of a continuum. Uh, okay, here's where a person dies, here where a person's born, and somewhere along the way, a person trusts in Christ. We'll call this their conversion moment, okay? Maybe it happens like with one of my kids when they are nine, uh, uh, or maybe in their 30s, or, or maybe not until like one f guy that I'm good friends with who, who I've been friends and discipled for years, not, maybe not really serious about the Lord till, till uh, I don't know, he was in his 70s. It doesn't matter where the ex is. The question that I'm raising is, what do you call the pre-X portion of a person's life? You call it discipleship. Whoops. <laughs> Dyslexia. And uh, so, <laughs> still recovering. And uh, <clears throat> so... You say, well, no, 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 I, I don't think this is discipleship. I think this is discipleship. After they've trusted God, I think this is called evangelism. Well, let me ask you something. If you've had children, and many of you have had children, what did you call it when you had family devotions or you were teaching your child to pray? Uh, teaching them the stories of Scripture. Did you call it evangelism? I bet you didn't. I bet it was just, I'm trying to disciple them in the ways of the Lord. See, what I want you to understand is that the whole thing is a discipleship process. I think we do get con, uh, you know, a, a little bit scared of the evangelism side of it, but what I wanna try to do is take this away and just see the whole picture. As followers of Christ, we're supposed to go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's what we do as followers of Jesus. Why? Because we're the people of good news. Now. Like I said, I think a lot of people 
uh, they tend to say, I'll stay kind of over here. But if we all stay over here, who's going to go out and get all the dirty clothes? Who's going to go out and catch all the fish that haven't been cleaned yet? See, this is the problem, and I think this is uh, uh, something of, uh, of what's going on in our country. If I can go macro just for a minute, I, I, I'm concerned of making an observation. You could challenge it, and I don't know, maybe it's off, but, but I'm observing particularly in this day and age, more and more believers, people who profess Christ, are, are sort of kind of going into the castle, drawing up the, 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 the drawbridge around the moat, and saying, I just only want to hang out because the world is getting bad out there. It's getting wicked. It's getting evil. And occasionally they take a hand grenade and they throw it over the moat at the, the bad center peoples out there. And, 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 and they post mean things. And, and I want to ask, well, how could you expect non-Christian people to act Christianly? <laughs> I think the job Christ gave us is to drop the drawbridge, go over the moat, and be the salt and be the light of the world that he called us to be. How can we stay back here and expect that the world is going to get better if we're never bringing the hope of Christ into the world full of sinful people who are lost and they're just doing what lost people do? This is the problem, I think, that's going on a lot in the American church, um, particularly. And so I have any number of Christian friends, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, yeah, but what are you doing to get out there and make a disciple and then make another disciple and then make another disciple? This is the mission that he gave us to be. Jesus would say to us, my plan all along was I'm sending you out to be winsome, joyful, hopeful people because you know of a different story that's going on at a higher level than just the level that you're existing at here on planet Earth. Remind yourself, remember who you are and whose you are. This is your story. This is your narrative. Stay up here and bring others into the reality of this good news. I'm telling you, if we would do this, we would see transformation in our land. I know it because I've studied enough history. You look back in the great 18th century revival of England, and you had two men, John Wesley and George Whitfield. And God just lit their souls on fire with love for Christ. And they started telling people about Jesus, who started telling people about Jesus and, and more. About, and you have to understand, England was a wicked place. There was child slavery and, and all sorts of stuff that you see a little bit of in the musical Oliver Twist, right? Or, or, the, or, or the book Oliver. And so you, um, this was the world, and yet Christ came. And 50 years later, when Wesley died, even the, the non-Christian media, even the newspaper people would write, that little man, John Wesley, has changed our nation. He's changed it for the better. How did he change it? Not by posting things, not by yelling and ranting and raving, just by going out and telling people about Jesus. 
and helping them see there's something more and there's something better, better, better. You have to come into a relationship. You have to try Jesus because until you do, you're selling yourself short. And in and, and the early church, just go back all the way to the beginning. We tend to, to say, what's going to happen to Christianity? I had a lady after church a while back. She said, what's going to happen to Christianity here in America? You know, they're going to close the walls in on us and, 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 and kill it off. I said, no, 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 that's, that, that, that will not happen. Now, they may take some ground from us. We've enjoyed a very comfortable existence Christians have really for all of our history. And, and that is changing. The tectonic plates have been moving on us. But let's just play out the worst case scenario. Let's suppose that we just become a downright secular culture, which some would say has already happened, right? Okay, now let's just go back to the original biblical early church. What was going on then? The Roman government, wicked, persecution of Christians. They were killing the Christians. At least we're not getting killed yet in this country. Right? But even if we did, would that snuff out Christianity? No. Quite the contrary happened. If you study church history, you realize, oh my gosh, the more that they were persecuted, the more the Christians would go towards the people. They would show the life and the love and the joy that comes through knowing Christ. And people would say, you know, I think I do want to join your thing. And they would come in and they would get baptized and more people would come in. And finally, the, one of the Roman emperors was like, what in the world is going on? No matter what we try to do to snuff them out, we can't snuff them out they keep spreading it's because the early believers were doing what Jesus told us to do they weren't isolating themselves they were infiltrating into the world and that's what we're called to do in the name of Christ to bring the message of salvation and transformation to tell our own story of how Christ touched our heart and how we live with hope, even if the world is going hopelessly. We're people of hope. You say, well, I know that that is true, but I'm not, yeah. I was in a Bible study or a small group, I guess, a couple of months ago, and one of the ladies was candid enough to say, I've been a Christian for decades. I got a bit, this Bible study, that Bible study. I don't know how to share the gospel. I've never, I don't know how to just like, how do you get into it? How do you like share it? And I remember thinking, hmm, June 6th. That is what we're going to talk about. Because I figured if you don't know how to do it, there's a lot of other people who don't know how to do it. And so what I want to do is, is try to spend the last few minutes just explaining to you how I do it when I talk with people about the gospel, which I love to do, which if you've ever seen me in a Starbucks or a restaurant, you've probably seen something like this on a napkin because I've taken many a napkin and many a paper Chinese restaurant placemat and, <laughs> and I try to share the gospel with people because I want them to know the life that Jesus came. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So there's a verse in Romans 6.23. It says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is life eternal through Christ Jesus our Lord. So typically, I draw a picture sort of like this. 
And I explained, okay, mankind is over here. And we have this problem. We have this sin problem. And nobody these days tends to deny that. They're like, yeah, boy, you know, tell, you know, even I have some of it, you know, if they're honest, they'll admit, yes, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then you have God on this time. Now, there's no sin in God. He's perfect. He's holy. He's set apart. And <clears throat> so the question's begged, well, what is it that separates us? It's this sin. That's the problem. And the interesting thing is you can study all the world, major world religions and you see everybody tends to have some sense of awareness that, yep, that is true. Now, they may not call God God. They may call God something else. But, but there's this sense of, you know, I'm not quite one with the spirit, you know, whatever it is. And, and, and something is wrong, but I want, to, I want it to be right. I want it to get there. So, and that's where you get there, the different religions that have come. You know, one religion came along and said, okay, we think we figured out how to close this gap. Yeah? How? Well, you have to pray. Oh, really? Yep. If you pray, then you'll be closer. All the way? No, not all the way. We don't know really what it would take to get all the way, but but it'll get you closer, that's for sure. Well, how do I pray? Five times a day, one religion says. Really? Any other rules? Yep, you got to face this direction. Never that direction, because if you face that direction, they don't count. You got to face this direction. That's the only way they get logged. And so... It's like, okay, it's kind of complex, but gotcha. Another religion comes along and says, nope, that's not it. We've realized the way that you close the gap is you give alms to the poor. That's it. You give away your, 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 your alms to the poor. You take care of the poor people. You give away your money and you be generous. And you go, oh, really? Okay. So that would mend the, that would bring... Well, it'll bring you closer. Well, how much do I need to give? Well, more than you're given, that's for sure. Okay, and so this religion, there's, there's always this kind of vagueness to it, and, and that's the problem. And then another religion comes along and says, nope, that's not it either. In our religion, we practice being really good. Really good. Really. Like, how good is good enough? We don't know that. But we've got a long ways to go. All of us do. So join our religion and we'll figure it out together it's like okay well i you know i appreciate all of you are trying to solve this problem i just would i'd like something more and something better and this is what sets the christian message apart from all the others because the christian message is about a god who said you'll never be able to mend this gap you'll never be able to close this gap only I could do it, and I will do it. And this is the gospel. He says, somebody's got to pay the price for your sin. You're quite right. We are separated. It's not because of anything I did. It's because of what all of you did. You shook your fist at me. You still do. 
But while we were yet sinners, God had mercy on us. And he sent us his son, Jesus Christ. He said, now, only I would be qualified to wipe all the sin out. Somebody's got to pay the price for it. So I'll pay the price myself. I'll send my own flesh and blood to take the hit for your sins. Whenever I share this, people are like, kind of makes sense. So like, how do I go over? Well, this is what we call faith, the bridge of faith. A church I know called Faith Bridge. <laughs> you, put your, you put your trust in Christ and you ask him to come and to take all the punishment that you deserved. And you trade all of your sinfulness onto him and you absorb from him all of his life that he came to give you. It's the best trade you'll ever find. That's how you come into a relationship with God. You pray. You just tell him, Lord, today's the day I'm stepping over the line. I want to have a relationship. I want to learn what it means to have a relationship with you. And to like read the Bible and, and hear from you and stuff like I hear some people talking about. I would like to have that. I would like to go through life with a little bit more of a sense of purpose, a little bit more sense of why you put me here anyway, a little bit sense of uh, more of hope and, and uh, just an outlook that pulled me forward. Yeah, you're looking for Jesus. That's what you need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now I'll tell you one more uh, shortfall, I think, to American evangelism of the recent 60, 70 years. Um, this little picture that most ministries I've ever been a part of, they all use, utilize some variation of this. They leave out something that I think is so, so important. Because usually right about here, when I share this, somebody will say, yeah, but if he's so good, why did my grandfather die? Why did my daughter have cancer? Why is there suffering in the world? Why is there so many starving people? On and on. And they, and they want to talk about the suffering. And I, I say, I don't know. Suffering is one of the, the great mysteries. I mean, I know on a macro level, it's because we live in a fallen world. And, but I don't know why you're somebody had to go through what they're going, or you yourself I don't know. But even here, the gospel can be transformational. I typically say at this point, what do you call one person who comes over this bridge to right here? I don't know. Well, you call him a convert or a believer, forgiven. You can call him any number of things. But the bigger question is, what do you call a lot of people who are on this side? A lot of converts? Well, yeah. 
Well, there's a different word that the scriptures give us. It's the ekklesia. That's a Greek word that means the called out ones. We refer to it as the church, the body of Christ. And so typically I say here, when it comes to suffering, I don't know why anything happened that you want to talk about. I wish I did. From heaven's vantage point, someday maybe we will. But the question is, who are you going through that pain with? Some people say, well, sounds like you're saying I could have community over here and I could have, I got some friends over here. Like my friend Nick. I'll say, well, yeah, you get high together and you do all you, but how's that working for you? I mean, is it pulling you up? Is it moving you closer to hope and to life and to Christ? Or as you sit around doing the stuff that you do, as you sit around, you know, uh, seems to me everything you describe about your community, you'll get madder and madder and madder. And that's what you see with various causes. Uh, you see the, the BLM, the gay pride, and, you know, all these groups, what are they doing? They're trying to create a community that's saying, this makes me feel good. And I look at them all and I say, you don't look so good. It's not convincing me. What you really want is the body of Christ because we're the people who have the hope. We're the people who have the life. We're not exempt from the suffering. No, we get cancer too. We have heart attacks too. We have loved ones who die too. Yes, that happens. But when we get to those places, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve as people full of hope that comes through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So why don't you come and just see if this side isn't better because I think you'll find it's better, better, better. And my challenge is this. I want you to share this story. Like, oh, I, I can never do it. Yeah, you can. You, my boys know how to do it. Yeah, you can do this. Just rewatch the sermon. You can, it's like, okay, and you, you can, you can do this. It's, it's really not that hard. But I would challenge you. How's the world ever going to get any brighter? How's the world ever going to get more hopeful if we don't go out and start fishing for people who are lost and hopeless and bringing the light and the love and the joy that comes through knowing Christ and living as forgiven people, not angry people, hopeful people. That's the only way it's going to get better. So my challenge is go. You could tell somebody this week at work, hey, can I show you this thing that I learned at church? I found it really interesting. Boom, you're in. You know, maybe you're talking to another person and, and the conversation has a lull and you say, well, I got a question for you. What do you turn to when you're feeling overwhelmed with discouragement or hope or anger? What do you look to at that point? I know what they'll tell you. You know what they'll tell them. You know, go get wasted. You know, and, and okay, well, how's that working for you? Let me, I got, I got something I'd love to show you. 
It's a message of hope. It's a message of life. It's a message that's changed me. And I know it's a message that would work in your soul as well. That's my challenge, okay? This week, why don't you just pray, Lord, give me an opportunity. Try it. You can practice with your family, you know, at lunch today. Or do you, why don't you use the paper napkin or, you know, placemat wherever you go. Why don't you practice it? And let's be people who are doing what Christ told us to do all along. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the gospel. The thought that you would live a life of sinlessness that we couldn't live because all of us are tarnished by sin but then willingly lovingly you would die the death of consequence and punishment that all of us deserved you would step in as our substitute to mend that gap to bring us back into relationship with you thank you God thank you for that Thank you for conquering the grave, signifying and signaling to any and all around the world. If you would link yourself to me, I can save you to the uttermost and give you a life that is abundant on this side and everlasting on the other side. Lord, my prayer is that every person here today would consider this commission that you gave to us, which in many of our lives has become an omission. We'd rather curse at the darkness than bring your light into it. Forgive us, Lord, for our selfishness. Transform us, give us a heart of love that we might move towards that person, that neighbor, that schoolmate, that gym rat, whoever it is, that we're like, that's a person who needs the Lord. Why do I keep it going so superficially day after day, week after week, year after year, when I know the truth and I've got something that could bring them hope? Won't you give us the, the nudge to do that, Lord? And if you're here today and you've just heard this message and you're like, I think that made more sense than I ever understood what Christianity is about in the first place. And I invite you right now, in this moment, in this prayer, why don't you just cross that bridge, so to speak, and take the hand of Jesus and say, I want to become your follower. I want to learn what it means to live in a relationship with you, to know you, to love you, to understand more about what's in your word and how to live life that you've put me here to live purpose. We pray all of these things in your strong name, Jesus. Amen.